Hello and welcome back to the TTP, Tatani Talks Parsha, this year where we talk about the Parsha of the week with some practical lessons to keep. We are in Sefer Bamidbar, the book of Bamidbar. We come to Parsha's Korach, which is my brother's Parsha, Allah Vashalom. It should be a Zechosa Ve'iloi Nishmas, Le'iloi Nishmas, Menachem Svi Ben Chaim Yitzchak. And we should think about what is the major episode of this Parsha. What is the major story that comes in this Parsha? Of course, Korah comes with all these people, 250 people or so, challenging Moshe, challenging his authority. God forbid mentioning and saying that the Moshe Chasvashalom usurped the authority for himself and in a nepotism way gave it to his brother, excluding everybody else. Why? We're all holy people. Why do you usurp yourself above everybody else? Of course, Moshe goes and, and talks to Hashem, and they set up this whole challenge, this whole test, obviously proving that Moshe and Aaron are innocent, and they didn't pull anything for themselves, and this major, major earth-shattering, literally, event happens. The earth swallows up Korach and his followers, except for people, actually, that were being involved in Shuvah, that were repentant. We know Own Ben Pelis is not mentioned at the end of the story because the Gemara points out that his wife talks some sense into him, saying, what's the difference if Korach is the leader or if Moshe is the leader, even though Moshe obviously is the true leader? You're still going to have to lead someone. You still have to follow after someone. So don't get involved in this. It's too much for you. And some say that some of Korach's sons repented and they actually had children and, and later on led down to Shmuel Hanavi, one of the greatest prophets of all time. And then there was a sage in the Gemara that talks about how he was shown in the Midbar where the earth split and you could hear people talking, Moshe Emes Visoraso Emes, that Moshe was true. But the idea being that Korach didn't do really a wonderful thing, did not do a good thing. And in fact, the Mishnah in Perkeavos talks about now, what type of an argument is good? What is L'shem Shemayim? That's the Machlokas of Hillel and Shammai. Because even though they disagreed, even though they might have had viewpoints that didn't align, they treated each other with respect. They still married into one another's families and one another's houses. And Beis Hillel's opinion was taken much more than Shammai. Some say because Hillel was an Anav and was more loving and accepting to converts and people in general, was very patient. And also because he quoted the opinion of Shammai before his own. And that's a really good type of a machlokas, good type of an argument, good type of a discussion, and a good type of a back and forth and interaction. And of course, that's a lesson for all of us with our spouses, with our friends and those around us. We have to interact in a proper way, in the right way. We have to talk with one another in the right format, in the right way. If someone's screaming, don't scream back. Be soft-spoken or be quiet. You could quell a thousand rebukes with soft-spokenness, with quietness, rather than yelling back in return. And interestingly, in Pirkei Avos, when we talk about machlokas, look at the words that Pirkei Avos says, which is the machlokas that's not for adaso. What's fascinating to me, and many people have pointed this out who are much, much greater than me, way before me, is that it doesn't say the machlokas of Korach and Moshe. It doesn't say the machlokas of Korach and his, and his, his faction and Moshe and Aaron. It says Korach v'chol adaso. Seemingly implying, pointing out to us that there was even resentment and there was divisiveness and there was division within Korach and his own company. It doesn't say Korach v'Moshe. It says Korach v'chol adaso. 
the wrong type of machlokis is not even talking about machlokis between Moshe and Korach, which shouldn't have started to begin with. The Korach brought it up and started a whole rebellion. But that Korach and his own Ada, his own congregation couldn't get along, couldn't viewpoint on the same thing, couldn't have the right aspect of looking at things in the right way. Because when there's dissension involved, when there is machlokis involved, when you're complaining, then if you're gathering people because of complaints, you're gathering people because of something that bothers you, it's not really going to stick. It's not going to mold and it's not going to take forth. Because that's not really L'Shem Shemayim. It's not for the sake of Torah. It's not for the sake of mitzvot or chesed or any type of good aspect. So any people you get are not really truly with your cause. They're not really truly with your mission. They're not truly with your viewpoint in life. And that might be... Why it says Korach v'chol adaso. It doesn't even mention Moshe or Aaron. It talks about how Korach couldn't even have the right type of, of solution within his own Ada. And people were falling away left and right. You know, own we mentioned, moved away. And Korach's own sons didn't stay with the rebellion. They were able to do tshuva and able to realize there was fallacy in the matter and there was falsehood in the matter. I find it fascinating that when you talk about the type of right machlokas, and you look at the wrong machlokas, it doesn't even mention the people in the story. It mentions Korach v'chol adaso. Korach and his own assembly. It's really a lesson for life, for ourselves, when we're thinking about how to deal with others, when we're thinking about how to deal with people in our life. If someone is upset, if someone is, is disappointed, or someone is angry, if someone is arguing with you, someone is disagreeing with you, how do you argue? How do you go about disagreements? Do you yell at each other and storm out of the room? Do you slam the door, call each other names, God forbid, use bad language, use bad words? Do you call each other derogatory ways, demented, you're out of your mind, what's the matter with you? What's wrong with you? You're such an Blank, 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 or that. Fill in the blanks. Don't fill in the blanks. But there are so many disagreements. There's so many arguments that get so quickly so out of hand. It started out talking about why couldn't you let me go to dinner with my friends? Why can you let me do this? And then you talk about how bad a husband he is, how bad a wife she is, how he never does anything, she never does anything. It balloons out of control, out of proportion. It goes so crazy outlandish that you're literally at each other's throats physically, metaphorically, literally, different aspects in different ways, and it just balloons out of control. One of the best pieces of advice I've ever read from Aish, and they have amazing advice in general of marriage and relationships and friendships. If you're having a disagreement with your spouse, or you're having a disagreement with others, and Baruch Hashem, my wife and I have a beautiful, beautiful relationship, but of course we're two people, so here and there, we might disagree on things, and we might not see eye to eye on certain things, and oftentimes, many times in life, people have it much, 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 much worse than other people, and they're fighting every minute of every day. But of course, in life, sometimes we'll disagree, but how does a person disagree? How does a person go about it? And H.com said, if you're having a disagreement with any person in life, focus on the issue at hand. What is the problem at hand? What is the discussion point at hand? Don't talk to me. About 20 years ago, you left me on the side for 20 minutes at my friend's birthday party because you had to go call back your friend about the jet score. None of that applies to me because... I'm not in sports and anything. It's just an example. Don't talk about how 30 years ago, I cannot believe that you made our employer pay for the dinner. How could you do such a thing? You embarrassed me in 1970. But it's 2000. Why are you bringing about past hurts? There's no benefit.
to bringing about past hurts. And that's a great piece of advice I heard from H.com. I read from H.com a long time ago. But other aspects is always talking gently, talking calmly, talking with statements, I feel blank. I feel such. Don't say you do blank. You always also don't ever use the word always or never. Those words are very intense and not helpful. You always leave me out of this situation. You never put my feelings into account. You always put yourself first. You're always so selfish. None of those words ever help. None of those words are functional or going to help the situation. Of course, another word that never helps that I say all the time to my own kids, calm down, relax. Does anyone ever actually calm down from being told the words calm down? Does anyone actually ever relax from being told the words relax? When it comes to things in mind and things in hand, especially with disagreements and arguments, especially amongst friends or family members or coworkers or anyone in your life, I believe it's best to be soft-spoken, and it's very, very difficult. I'm not saying it's not very difficult to be soft-spoken or even to be quiet. I talk about this throughout many episodes throughout the years. We just finished out Season 5 of the TTPA and TTOT. We've talked about it on those shows many times, too. But I've had bosses. I've had administrators and people. I work in the school system. I've met many different types of people. I've been in seven years in the school system in over 12 schools. So I've met many different types of people. And one time or a, different, a couple of times, I've had an administrator. I've had a person, I've had someone in quote-unquote authority positions who talked down to me, talked demeaning to me, call me unprofessional, call me this, call me that. The question is, how should I respond? How am I going to respond? The natural beast inside of us is when we're provoked when we are stirred up and when we're stimulated to be told negative things, derogatory things, criticizing kind of things, we want to immediately leap back. The beast wants to jump out of us. It wants to attack back. It wants to strike back. I am a man. I am able to stand up for myself is what we're thinking. But we can't actually do that. And the best way to respond is not to yell back is not to start a scene, is not to cause a commotion and not to raise your voice back. Because that's what they want, first of all. And second of all, it could be seen as insubordination. It could be seen as talking back, not being respectful. But even those things aside, for your own character development, for your own self-development, the best way to respond is soft-spoken. I'm sorry that this is the way that you feel. I feel bad for making you think this way. I will try harder. I'm sorry. Soft-spoken, not loud, not difficult. I will try better. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Talking in a soft way, in a quiet way, that really repels all criticism and all harshness. You could have someone berating you and screaming at you and yelling at you if you don't respond. Or you respond in a soft way. I can't believe you did that. You ruined the company. You ruined the deal. How could you do that? You know Mr. Johnson gives millions to our company. How could you? I'm sorry, Mr. Galinth. I'm going to make up a name. I'm sorry, Mr. Galinth. I didn't realize that my action caused such a thing. I will try to be better in the future. I feel terrible for doing such a thing. You know, talking in a soft-spoken way, not yelling back, well, Mr. Galinth, I put in 100 hours this week. What are you telling me? I've done overtime. I'm such a good worker. Get out of my face. None of those things would be helpful. None of those things would be productive. None of those things would be functional and have a good outcome. When we think about Korach, 
so. We could learn something from everyone. Of course, he's not an example, a good role model. But Ezehu Chacham, Pirkei teaches us, Ezehu Chacham, Halomed Mikol Adam. And some sources say Mikol Ha'adam. A smart person, a wise person, really learns from every person around him. So you could learn from someone terrible who destroyed millions of lives what not to do. Or you could learn how to motivate people, but in a good way. How could someone rise to power in the, in the World War II and destroy the entire world and kill millions of people? How is that possible? Of course, Hashem is the guiding light and He decides things for various reasons. But a person in a very negative, never, very terrible way could be charismatic. So we could take the charisma and use it for good. We learn from every person. We could learn from Korach even though he did a bad thing. We could learn to be influential and charismatic and to, to inspire people to do good. We could learn also the Choladaso if he wasn't able to motivate his entire crowd. How could we motivate our crowd? How could we motivate those around us? How could we respond to people around us when there's a division or derision of power or someone trying to gain authority, trying to gain from the top? In fact, there is an idea of Mazel. There is an idea of of intuition, there is an idea of motivation and inspiration of guidance to how we want to be in life. They say that a certain person can have a predisposition to a certain occupation or a certain way of life, but he should use it for the good. When Dovin Amelech was born, they say that he was born very red. I don't know if it means he was red hair all over, or it means he was red head, or it meant that his complexion was red. But they worried when Dovin Amelech, the sources point out, the commentators point out, they're worried when he was born that he's red. Edom like Esav. No, no, God forbid he would be like Esav. But then the commentators point out, but then they said, look at his eyes. Look at his eyes. And they saw that his eyes were kind and his eyes were blue or whatever color. But they were windowed to the soul, showing that he was still gentle. Even though he had a warrior ability in life, he had gentle eyes. And the commentators and the sages and the Talmud point out, even though he had a penchant and an ability to be aggressive and lead wars and to kill people, it was al-pi halacha, al-pi sanhedrin, al-pi the das of the Torah, the way of the Torah. Because a person can have a penchant for being a warrior. But are you a warrior for good, like David Amalek, or chas a warrior for bad, like Esav? A person could have a disposition to spill blood. God forbid, does that mean he's going to be a murderer? Chas v'shalom? Or does that mean that the, the signs point, Hashem puts in him a pension for doing something with the blood, being a shochet, slaughtering animals for a mitzvah, or being someone who's a mohel for doing bris milah, someone who's able to shed blood for a good reason. When we think about a person rising to power, we think about a person rising to the position, or rising to things in his life, what do you use it for? How do we go about interactions with people? How do we go about relationships with people? How do we go about certain pensions we might have? A person has a, a tremendous thirst and a desire and a need for money. So is it someone that will ruthlessly cut everyone out, will be a, a warrior on Wall Street, will be someone that edges everyone out and, and sucks the soul out of people and destroys everyone who's awake just so could he make millions? Or maybe it's a person that is so good with money, so good with numbers, that he becomes a financial consultant and ends up th- saving 30 families millions of dollars by figuring out how to manage their finances. Or is able to become an actuary and able to do numbers for a company and save them from financial 
financial collapse and save them from misreading different things or works for the IRS or becomes an accountant and helps people to file their taxes in the right way. A person can have a pension for speaking. Does he speak evil? Does he speak bad? Does he speak Lashon Hara? Motsi Shemran use his platform, his forum, his podcast to do bad? To just spread libel around the world and just do pranks and mean things on the radio and podcasts? Or can we... And myself included on a tiny level, can I use the forum for Torah? Can I use the forum for own self-improvement, for own character improvement, to try to spread ideas, strided with words that I've heard and that ring true, whether it be the Parsh or Daf or Pikriyavos or OT or Radio Life? Which ways can we go about? We think about Korach and his whole Ada. We think about Korach the Chaladah, so they couldn't even have a unified front. Even if you disagree with people, whether it be spouses or friends or family or coworkers or bosses, can you still present a unified front to your children? Can you still present a unified front to family, to friends, to students that you're servicing or you're taking care of or you're working with? Yes, you might not have, you agree on the same viewpoints, but do mommy and Abba agree with everything? Do they show the parents? And, and does one parent give one more respect saying, I don't know, whatever mommy says is okay? Whatever way we could go about, we think about how there was a, a tremendous, tremendous rebellion in the Parsha, in the portion of Korach v'chol Adasa, but we could still learn from Korach what not to do. And how is he able to get 250 people to follow him? How is he able to influence all these people, Ruvain and the other, other Shvatim? Obviously, Rashi points out to us, the commentator, Oyla Rasha, Oyla Shcheno, Tovla Rasha, Tovla Shcheno, the people that were near Korach, were fed his poison, were fed his teachings or his sayings or his negative influence by being right next to him, by being his neighbor. That's why it's so important to be a good neighbor, to have a good neighbor. Pergavos talks about that the great sage of Yochanan asked, What is the right way for a person to go on the path? And five different students answer. One of the answers is to be a shachin tov, to be a good neighbor. And conversely, what is the path, the bad path to avoid? Don't be a bad neighbor because you could influence those around you. You want to influence for the good reasons. The people that lived near Moshe and Aaron, the Levium, they were influenced for good. They wanted to work in the Mishkan. They wanted to work later on in the base of Mingdash. Who were the ones that came around Moshe when he said, Mila Hashem Eli, after the Egel Hazav, the Levium, his neighbors, the people that were encamping around him, whether the timeline could be debated, which came first or whatever, but in general, the pension for doing Hashem's will, for serving Hashem, singing to Hashem, serving in the base, something to Hashem, the Mishkan, or the Kohanim and the Levim, which comes from Moshe and Aaron's family. Tovla Rosh, Tovla, excuse me, Tovla Tzadik, Tovla Shcheno. Good for the Tzadik, good for his neighbor. He could influence for the good those around him. Oila Rasha, Oila Shcheno. Maybe that's how Korach was able to influence the people around him, his neighbors, who would hear him and talk about this and bring the crazy questions to Moshe. If the whole talus is blue, do you still need to chalas? If the whole talus is white, do you still need tzitzis? And, and crazy questions, just trying to, to, to talk difficult questions just for the sake of trying to challenge Moshe. If a room is full of sifritori, do you still need a mezuzah? I remember the commentators and different aspects of different rabbis explaining over the years, these were some of the questions that I believe Korach would challenge to Moshe just to try to challenge his authority, just to try to challenge him in public. But when we think about Vayikach Korach, Korach took, he took these people trying to, to break Moshe and Aaron down. And of course, Hashem proved that Moshe and Aaron was done. But we could think about how Perkei also talks about 
What is a real machlokas? What is a real argument for the sake of heaven between Hill and Shammai? Still respecting one another's opinions, using soft words, soft-spoken manner, being quiet and not yelling back, not using names, not using bad words, and still marrying you into one another's family, still respecting the other opinion to, to show the opinion before your own and still showing how to go about things. And of course, the wrong type of machlokas is Korach v'chol does so. Korach and his own faction, they couldn't even get along to see the viewpoint the same well, same way. And that's why it could be Perkevus uses that. So when we think about our relationships, we think about our words and our repentance for doing things in the world, use it for good. Use it to be charismatic, to influence people, to ignite people, to inspire people. Use whatever talent you have. I talk about this often. Use it for good to make a Dalit almost impression in the world. There are billions of people in the world, but you still have billions of chances to do good. Billions of chances to uplift and inspire those around us. And when we think about our interactions, we think about if we could use words for good to be motzi shem tov, to use lashon tov, to have ahavad chinam, to love one another, to counteract why the base image was destroyed in the first place, whether it be because of serving Hashem in the right way, treating one another with the proper respect, not embarrassing people in public, which is a type of bloodshed, and making sure to be involved in proper relationships, proper interactions, and making sure not to have sinah chinam, but to have ahavad chinam, to love one another, to use good words and good intentions, looking for the truth in the matter, looking for the good in all matters to be done if we could learn different things like that, if we could learn to talk with one another, interact with one another, to have proper relationships, proper interactions, proper arguments, proper disagreements, for the sake of Torah, for the sake of heaven, for the sake of good things in this world, maybe we could finally be Zoha, for the big Tzimikdash should be rebuilt speedily in our days, and for Mashiach to come speedily in our days with Eliyahu Hanavi, and may that day in fact be Today, this has been the TTP, Tani Talks Parsha, where we talk about the Parsha of the week with some practical lessons to keep. And I'm your host, Tani.